This is Punk Rock and Politics, and today is February 7th, 2017, and this is episode number 7. Let's do this. These days are strange, it's true. I would bomb the shit out of them. If you think that punk rock doesn't mix with politics, you're wrong. Welcome to Punk Rock and Politics. Today we're talking to the guys from the Astoria-based band Amber Lamps. We'll be talking about their music, mental illness, and its impact on society. Let's get to the political mosh pit. But first, here's the news of the week. Here's what's making news. Hey, I'm keeping another promise to the American people. By nominating Judge... Neil Gorsuch of the United States Supreme Court to be of the United States Supreme Court. President Trump nominates Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court vacancy. This would be a lifetime appointment for the 49-year-old if approved by the Senate. According to the Daily Mail, Gorsuch founded and led a student group called the Fascism Forever Club at his elite high school near Washington, D.C. This confirmation process might not go as smoothly as previously thought. Friday, a federal judge overturned Trump's executive order on the immigration ban from seven countries. The next Next day, the Department of Justice filed an appeal which will continue the fate of the executive order in court. More to come on that soon. In Nevada, Governor Brian Sandoval has proposed cutting $20 million in state funding for mental health programs, citing the expansion of Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, has given more citizens access to the services, and the state cannot afford the influx of people. A study released by the University of Cambridge on on January 17, 2017, states that young people with mental health problems who have contact with mental health services are significantly less likely to suffer from clinical depression later in their adolescence than those with equivalent difficulties who do not receive treatment, according to the new research. On Sunday, the New England Patriots come back from behind to beat the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51, making it the fifth Super Bowl win by the quarterback, Tom Brady. And that's the news of the week. Being raised in Southern California, I grew up on bands like Blink-182, Green Day, and now other classic pop-punk bands. That's why when I heard the band Amber Lamps, it brought me back to the good old days of fun, melodic, fast-paced pop-punk. The Amber Lamps is a Astoria-based three-piece pop-punk band who just released their debut album titled Platypus. So before we talk to the guys from Amber Lamps, let's check out one of their songs titled On The Radio. Don't even know what you like anymore The radio On the radio 
That was on the radio by Amber Lamps. And we have the guys from Amber Lamps here with us. We have Brian on guitar and vocals. We have Eddie, he's bass and vocals. And we have Steve, who's on the drums. So, hey guys, thanks for stopping by the Political Mosh Pit here on Punk Rock and Politics. Hey, thanks for having us, man. Happy to be here. Awesome, yeah. Dude, hey, yeah, thanks for coming on. So I really enjoyed your music. Um, So Amber Lamps, you guys, you just dropped your debut album, Platypus, uh, last month, January 2017. But I saw you guys started out as a house cover, like a party cover band. So what got you guys into playing your own original music? Yeah, so we, we first played at a high school graduation bar. Actually, we played at Eddie's high school graduation party. And we learned just a bunch of uh, Green Day covers and a couple of uh, Blink-182 covers, too. And uh, after that weekend, we decided that we didn't want to stop. So we just kept playing new new covers. And, and eventually, uh, Eddie came to us with this uh, riff he came up with, and that became uh, Eddie's Basement. And uh, the, <laughs> that song is really silly because it's just about how freaking hot it was in that basement. But that, That's yeah. how that song got its name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right, <so. laughs> cool. So, um... And how long – that was quite like a while ago, right? Yeah, that was uh, 2009. Nice. So, yeah, you guys have been playing live quite a bit, huh? Yeah, we've been, we did a little bit back then, and then we, uh, we all kind of split up when we went to college. It's like more of a, hey, we're home. It's Christmas. Let's hang out it's in our friend's basement and keep playing music and have a good time. And we did, and it was great. And then once we all graduated and got our degrees, we were like, hey, you know what? Why should we stop doing this? Like, let's actually, you know, take a project here and turn it into something great. And we did. And here we have our CD. And it's just such a really cool, surreal feeling to actually have something after all these years that, like, I can actually hold in my hand now. Yeah. And it's really cool to uh, be doing it with some of you know, my, my best friends here. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You definitely could tell, um, you know, you guys are enjoying it. Like I, I was telling you right before the interview, I heard they have a bunch of music up on YouTube and then they have a live performance and it, you guys are tight. You know, you look like you're having fun. The music is it's it's cool. So um, so how how's the music scene out there? In a, and you guys are located in Astoria, New York. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're in uh, we're in Queens. We're right over the East River from Manhattan. So like from my rooftop, you can see like, the Empire State Building, and you know it's nice up there. We go up there, have a drink, have some coffee, things like that. It's a good time. Cool. But um, the scene around here is you know pretty pretty sweet. Honestly, we've met a lot of bands from around here. You know, uh, shout out to our friends in a uh, Bedpan Fight. They're from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and we just went to a show, saw them. They were awesome. And then we got uh, other guys over here, like the Revolution Lost, and a lot of our friends from... T-R-L-O-L. Well, that's Revolution Lost, T-R-L. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of our friends from Long Island, because we all grew up in uh, the Plainview, Bethpage area, and we all moved to Astoria, into the Queens area. Steve's in Jackson Heights, and Brian and I are in Astoria, and we all moved within, what, 
three months of each other. Yeah. So we all we all moved together into like the same neighborhood. So that was that was pretty sweet. You all just randomly happened to move there. Brian moved first and I was looking to get closer to the city. And I was like, Queens, I really want to go to Queens. And Brian's like, no, Queens is cool. And then I saw the area. I was like, this is actually like a really cool area. So I moved shortly thereafter. And Steve, and Steve. I, I, I actually met these guys a little over a year ago. They were coming in doing my open mics. And I was telling them that I was already moving to Queens once my parents sold their house. And uh, it was it just worked out perfectly, you know. So we kind of ended the open mics and we all just moved out to Queens. And that's when I really started playing with them a lot. And uh, really took off from there. Awesome. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna hear. Let's check out another one of uh, the Amber Lamps. One of their songs. This is "Adrenaline" by Amber Lamps. Like 
All right, and that was Adrenaline by Amber Lamps. So, guys, um, that song was written about uh, dealing with uh, mental illness. Do I have that right? That is right. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, when I was when I was maybe seven or eight years old, I uh, I started having panic attacks at night. Uh, it was always just when I was trying to go to sleep. I always said it's because my mind was just didn't have anything to focus on, and I just ended up having all these. You know, scary thoughts, and I'd get up, and I'd, I'd you know, I'd run to my parents. I was eight years old, so didn't really know. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, you know, it seemed like nightmares, but I know I was awake. I was sitting up in my bed, and yet this is still happening. And I just, uh, I, I, for years, I tried to figure out what it was that was that was happening and what was causing this. And uh, you know, for a while, I thought maybe it was it was that I, I felt guilty about something. Or that I thought I did something wrong, uh, but I did, like, couldn't figure it out. And uh, it took a very long time until finally I, I realized that I, I had a problem. And I was, excuse me, I was diagnosed with a panic disorder. And uh, after resisting for years for what turned out to be no reason, I started taking a, uh, an antidepressant to, to help me with that. And uh, I've been panic attack free for over a year now. Oh, nice. So that's definitely helped. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Uh, and I, I just remember, you know, my parents would always tell me, oh, you know, medication should be the last thing you should you should do, you know, do anything else first. And, uh, well, you know, it turned out that we were that we were wrong. I, I agreed. Uh, and it turned out that for my my personal uh, experience, it was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think um, the industry pushes so much like like you said drugs and pills on so many people that we do get wary of it you know but then when it's necessary in certain cases it it's great so yeah 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 so how how exactly did that song uh adrenaline work into your personal experience and everything well there's two songs on the album about this uh they come one after another one of them is adrenaline and the other one is a song right after it on the on platypus called it's not all right and they basically both look at the same situation from two different angles adrenaline looks at it from the angle of me trying to figure out why this would happen to somebody like me and it's not all right actually takes it and brings it back to that very first time that it happened to me that i didn't even understand what it was let alone why yeah and just trying to even work out what's going on. And, you know, the song is called It's Not All Right, because at the end of the day, the only thing I do know is this isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, when we head out at the very end, we'll let's check out uh, It's Not All Right. Uh, and then we'll, we'll look at it, you know, hear the other song from different perspective. Um, sure. So, like kind of zooming out you know taking it more uh into the like macro like uh view do you think there's a social stigma surrounding mental health in our society i absolutely do yeah. uh i i see all the time uh people who are dealing with mental illness uh maybe not even being shamed about it but just uh people treat it like it's not the same kind of issue that it would be if you had a physical disability. Yep. And yeah. uh, in a lot of ways, it's similar. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's, it, it's the same thing. It's something that's happening inside your body. In this case, it's a chemical imbalance usually, and you don't actually have any control over it. Uh, it but unfortunately, it manifests itself in a way that seems like it's something you can handle. And for people who don't deal with this kind of thing, they think that, it's something that you can just ignore 
or you can just not let it happen. And sometimes you can do that and sometimes you just can't. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really get it in the sense that, you know, I remember something similar with me. And I was talking with somebody and they were like, well, have you know, you you say you got some sort of like depression going on. Have you tried just like not being sad? It'd be like, <laughs> yeah. being like well, have you tried like not having bronchitis? Like, no, yeah. like there's, there's nothing to be done in that sort of a situation. And I think, you know, we don't maybe, maybe we don't understand it. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not even going to sit here and say that I understand it because I don't. And, you know, everybody's case is different. Exactly. So even if I understood right. mine, I can only speak for mine. Mm-hmm. And I still don't really fully understand it. Yeah. And and it's also it's such a broad term in our society, also in our yeah. society that, you know, it's um, I, I feel that everyone's kind of painted with the same brush. And like you said, if, if you had a broken leg. You wouldn't be like, well, can you just try not having a broken leg? You know, right? Can you just try to fix it? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's too true, but yeah, I mean, it's funny, but like, really, it's not. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, everybody, everybody always has a uh, has a, that thing that can help them to get rid of it. And actually, uh, I I did hypnosis for a little while, and one of the one of the coping mechanisms that the hypnotist gave me was to just take a ball she gave me a stress ball and just toss it back and forth from your left hand to your right and it just helps calm you down and, and I took that and I actually then learned how to juggle and <laughs> occasionally when we're playing on stage oh, no, during one of our songs during the song Eddie's Basement I will pull out my juggling balls and just juggle in the middle of the song <laughs> That's okay. I, I, there you go you guys have theatrics I try to always take the stage yeah, nice. I try to take these negative things and spin them into something positive. Dude, that's, and that's awesome. Kind of a more ridiculous example, but I I can't say that I have personally seen a band juggle anything on stage. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I've seen quite a bit of shows, so that would be pretty awesome to see. Yeah, it's definitely is good to bring, um, yeah, that negative and pull it into the light. But yeah, hypnosis—that's interesting. I know a lot of people use that for um, to stop smoking and uh, weight. Side, weight gain or you stop yeah. eating but a lot of times i hear it works for some people it was an interesting experience and i mean i started doing that at the same time i started taking the medication so i'm not sure if it really helped mm. or if maybe it kind of supplemented it or if it was just a coincidence that i did that at the same time when the drugs were kicking in <laughs> well it certainly well, didn't help it certainly didn't hurt i'm sure exactly you know? yeah yeah well yeah i I mean, that's that's kind of the problem I see also with the funding and the availability of um, being able to access uh, good quality mental health. I don't know if if you have any personal experience with that. I uh, finding a psychiatrist was not an easy experience for me. I went to two. I, I mean, I had I it wasn't too bad, though. I mean, I called the insurance and everything. And luckily, I've had insurance for my whole life. So. It's uh, it's not been too bad. Yeah. yeah, but you're neglecting another part of it in the sense that, like, it's not like you go to a doctor and they say turn your head and cough. It's true. In the sense that you need to go see somebody. And for me, anyway, one of the hardest things was opening up. It's like, I don't know who you are. And, you know, I know, like, yeah. the basics of confidentiality agreements that you're not going to repeat anything. But at the same time, like, I don't want to talk to you about, like, the – Things in my childhood, like those are repressed for a reason. Yeah, So I don't know. It's it. It's 
it's a weird situation. It's yeah, it's no. definitely very important to build rapport with you know, um, or you know, your doctor, or whoever you're dealing with. <clears throat> and then a lot of now the insurance, I know they'll only cover so many visits. So you, you know, mm. I, I know that's a, a problem, but that also gets to I don't know how how do you guys feel about you know uh, the healthcare industry as a whole? You know, universal health care versus how it is now. It has it has its strengths. I would say more strengths than weaknesses, but at least it's something. You know, what's going to be the healthcare options in the future? We don't know yet, but you know, it, it's a big deal making sure you know the basics are covered. Yeah, yeah. One unfortunate thing that I've experienced is actually recently, you know, I'm turning 20, I'm turning 26 this year. I, I jumped onto my own insurance through through my job now, and uh, I have a live-in girlfriend, and she uh, doesn't have uh, insurance through her job, and she was considering going on to uh, Obamacare and realized that it would be more expensive to do insurance through the Affordable Care Act than to just not have insurance and pay the fine that they charge you for not having insurance at the end of the year. Yeah, the whole idea with the fine, you know, they're touting, oh, we have this many people that signed up for health insurance, but how many of those people actually signed up just to avoid the fine? And they're not really utilizing um, the health insurance. But yeah, just fining people doesn't really make sense to me in order to force them to get health insurance. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody would agree that having health insurance is a good thing. I don't think anybody yeah. would come out and say, hey, you you don't have health insurance? Good for you. The question, though, is always, like, why? Or, like, how can I help you? Or something like that. Yeah, some people just have jobs that don't offer any help with this. Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. And then that's extra money at the end of the month. You really don't want to have to give up because, you know, no one's everyone's pretty tight these days, you know? It's, yeah. Absolutely agree. My argument is more like the idea of having health insurance. Nobody would say it's a bad thing to have Absolutely. insurance if yeah. you can afford it. It's yeah, like, stick it to the man. Get your two hundred dollar prescription. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that see that's always that's my personal uh, perspective. Is like the job wise, you know, I'm always thinking like, why are we forcing employers to pay for health insurance? You know, that shouldn't be their obligation. If there's some sort of single payer issue or single payer system, then the employers, they wouldn't have to pay. I never know why anyone doesn't talk about that, because that would be a huge benefit for employers not having to pay for their um, employees health insurance. Absolutely. It would, it would free them up to give them, you know, better raises and stuff, you know? Yeah, or invest more into their own companies, and yeah, so oh, yeah. I, you know, yeah, Which, more money to create more industry. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I never, I never thought why no one ever, you know, hit it from that perspective to promote that. But you know, I'm, I'm sure the health insurance industry and the lobbyists they don't want that to happen because there's a lot of good money to be made. Also. Yeah. Exacerbated side. So, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, we're, we'll wrap this up here in a minute. Uh, let's bring it back so um, to like the music and everything. So, how has uh, writing music and playing with your buddies and playing amps, uh, you know, helped your issues and helped everything also? Well, for me, when my, when I first wrote Adrenaline, some of the lines in it were hard for me to sing. Uh, it, it's a uh, it's a very personal song to me and uh over time it's kind of become it's always a highlight of our set uh we we get the crowd jumping along with the beat the beginning and we we 
again, just like the the silly juggling thing, we yes. took a negative yeah. experience and a, a, a upsetting song and turned it into something fun. And I think that's kind of the best way to do it. Nice. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So, yeah, people have to go check you guys out live if they're up um, New York, you know, area. Uh, you get to see Adrenaline, and then you also get to see some juggling. I also, I really like the song James. I really like that song. I, I know you did acoustic also. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That was really good. That's, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great one on the yeah, people. Yeah, that's another heavy topic. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not playing that on here, so people have to go and check check it out so tell everyone listening um what's the best way they can find your music and check you guys out the best way i think would be through our Bandcamp page uh that would be amberlampsny.bandcamp.com we, we are amberlampsny on every social media website that we can get we were able to get our grubby little hands on so <laughs> nice so just search amberlampsny yeah awesome well hey guys thanks for uh coming out here and being on punk rocks and politics yeah, thanks hey, man, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, everyone should go out and check them out. And as we head out, here's one last one by Amber Lamps. It's titled, It's Not Alright.
Thanks for checking out Punk Rock and Politics. If you enjoyed the show and the information brought to you, please subscribe and share the podcast. It helps us here at Punk Rock and Politics, but more importantly, it helps the featured bands gain exposure. Also, if you know any bands or musicians who would like to join the political mosh pit and have their music featured on the Punk Rock and Politics podcast, please email us at punkrockandpolitics at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. And rock on, political junkies. I think our all our society is run by insane people for insane objects and objectives. Doing a better job of talking to each other. The left hand now knows what the right hand is doing. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you.